Hi loves. So I realized that most of my episodes come from my blog posts, um, which is something that, you know, so many people have followed me on for a very long time. But um, some people who are new might not have seen those and might not necessarily know that much about me. So I wanted to try to do some episodes that are are a little more in-depth about me and my personal experiences with loss. Um, they will be a little bit extensive. Um, there's going to be quite a few of them as I unfortunately have a lot of experience with grief and with loss. Um, I've unfortunately lost very many people in my life. Um, but I figured my best way to kind of let you guys get to know me and a little bit more about me is to open up and talk a little more about these because if any of these episodes or my blog posts or anything that I do could possibly help even one other person, then I feel like I have accomplished my goal. Um, You know, obviously I hope that it helps more than one person, but can't be too picky. So for starters, if you're new, welcome. Um, This is Life During Grief. My name is Ellison. And this is just a podcast that I started to kind of share my experiences growing up with grief, um, just kind of share with others and hope that, you know, somebody out there can take away something useful that can help them. So today I figured I would start all the way at the beginning. Um, So for reference, I'm 21 um, and I would start all the way back at the beginning when I was seven and a half of when I lost my mom. Um... So just as a trigger warning, this episode will mention PTSD, depression, um, you know, mentions of hospitals and comas and accidents. So if, if anything like that triggers you, I would just click off this episode, go find one of my other ones. Um, you know, it's totally okay. Everyone's different. Um, so getting into it, um, Seven and a half little little Ellie. Um, I was in second grade. Um, I'm an only child. Uh, my parents had decided to buy an ATV. Um, one night we drove an extremely long amount of time to go pick this thing up. It was black and yellow. I, I don't, it was ugly. I just remember it being ugly. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the color yellow, but it, it wasn't even like a nice, like light bright yellow. It was this like weird mustardy kind of yellow. Um, I like to say that, I mean, unfortunately, I don't remember a lot about my mom. And sadly, something that I do remember in great vast detail is going to be these events. So, um, yeah. Next morning, um, we wake up. My dad had made apple turnovers for breakfast. Um, They're like these like little, he got like croissant rolls and you kind of like fold them in a certain way. You got apple filling. They're really good. Um, And my dad loved to cook. He was a great cook. Um, Could could make anything. And, And so, you know, we enjoyed that. We were all getting ready. My dad had a big hearing to go to this meeting. He did, um, property taxes for commercial buildings. So he was basically going to this thing to tell this board that they're charging this person too much and here's why and they needed to lower it. Um, My mom was getting ready for work. She worked part time at just like an office. I I don't even really know what she was doing at the time. I know she did a lot with like paperwork and envelopes and I think she was just kind of like an office assistant. Um, 
and I was getting ready for school. Um, my mom had just done my hair. Uh, she took a lot of pride in her appearance and mine. So, you know, while my mom was around, my hair always looked great. My outfits were very put together. Love that. Um, and we realized that we had some extra time and my mom wanted to test drive the ATV just up and down the street. Um, for reference, we didn't have helmets yet. Uh, my parents hadn't bought them yet. They were going to probably later that day or the next day. Um, side note, if you have an ATV or a motorcycle or whatever, please wear a helmet. It could save your life. And, and I don't, I know it might not be the coolest. Um, I know that it's bulky and they can be annoying and whatever, but you are going to wish that you had one um, if you end up in an accident that is threatening your life. Um, these, these have a very high probability of saving your life and you have a very high probability of not making it if you get in an accident without one. Um, so side note, wear a helmet. Um, you can find great, really cool designs, one in every color, put stickers on it. I don't care, just wear one. Anyways, so for starters, my dad had taken it up the street and back. Super fun. Looked awesome. Um, my parents went up and back super quickly. I remember begging to go on it. Um, and, and, you know, my parents told me, well, no, you don't have a helmet. And in the back of my mind, I remember thinking, well, you're being a hypocrite because neither do you. Um, and I, of course, ran in the garage and grabbed my bicycle helmet. And I was like, look, I have a helmet. They were like, no, it's not good enough. Um... Yeah, so I wasn't allowed to go on it, but that is okay. So then my mom wanted to go on it. And for some reason, I remember getting this just feeling that I had to hug her and I had to tell her I love her and, you know, just to be careful. Um, years before, my parents were in a very bad car accident. And just ever since then, I'd always worried about, you know, something happening. And, and I don't know why I got this feeling. I just did. So I ran up, I give my mom a big hug and I just tell her like, I love you and please be careful. And of course, she's like kind of brushing me off. Like, you know, I will. I love you too. You know, whatever. Um, you know, I'll be right back. And so she goes up the street and she's gone for maybe a couple minutes and then she starts coming back and we see her and she's having a lot of fun and she's, you know, hooting and, and hollering. She's, you know, having a great time, wind's blowing in her hair, um, which I laugh because, you know, my dad and I used to say that even if they did have helmets, my mom probably wouldn't have worn one because her hair was done and she couldn't mess up her hair. Um, but she came back and backstory, my mom used to ride motorcycles when she was growing up. And I don't know if anybody, you know, knows a lot about motorcycles, but typically you can hit the brakes and turn the handlebars at the same time. You just kind of slide, you know, it's, it's very cool looking. A lot of people, movies do it very fancy. I don't know. Anyways, she attempted to hit the brakes and turn into our driveway. And the difference between a motorcycle and an ATV is a set of two wheels. So motorcycles have two wheels or, you know, some of the fancy ones nowadays have three. Um, ATVs or also known as four wheelers have, that's right, four wheels. So in doing this, she caused it to flip. We live at the end or we lived, um, our house was at the end of a cul-de-sac. Um, surrounding us, the houses were being built, but our closest neighbor was three doors up. Um, so we were actually the only finished house in the cul-de-sac. Um, other than we are, I think we had one other neighbor that like they just finished and they were getting ready to move in, but they hadn't moved in yet. Um, 
And so she flipped. So she's, you know, at the end of the cul-de-sac, she's unconscious. My dad runs to her. And I just remember being in complete shock. I, you know how when you, you see movies and and the character, you know, witnesses something super traumatic and, and all they kind of do is just freeze and they don't do anything. And you get this, they, they play the audio to where everything's like super muffled and you can't hear anything and, and all that. Um, that is very true. That does, that part of the movie happens. Um, I remember sitting there and, and everything just got like really fuzzy. I couldn't hear anything going on and I, I just couldn't stop staring and I couldn't move. I was just sitting there. Meanwhile, as I snapped back into reality, I noticed that my dad was screaming for me to go call 911. So, um, you know, luckily the week before a police officer 911 I don't know who they were they came to my school and and I'm I'm sure you know some of you have had a program like this happen um and they basically come and they teach you how and when to call 911 and and they walk you through the process of what you'll need to do and you need to tell them what happened you tell them your address um they give you a little handout there's like a little dog mascot on it I, I don't know um so I run in the house because this is back to the day of landlines and um you know, yes, there were cell phones. My dad couldn't find his. Um, so I go in, I run and grab our, our home phone and I call 911, something I never thought I would ever have to do. And, um, you know, the lady picks up and she goes, 911, what's your emergency? And I am trying my, at this point I'm crying and I'm trying to tell her that my mom crashed and she needs help. And, and so she, she could barely understand me and she's asking for our address. And, you know, luckily my parents being, um, quite smart, um, they very much instilled in me, not only their phone numbers, but also our address. So if I ever needed to, I could recall it by memory. Um, my mom had a little way of doing it by making it into a song that would help me remember. I'm a person who remembers music very easily. So if you're looking for a tip to either remember something for yourself or trying to get a child to remember something, um, I highly suggest taking that information, turning it into a song. Chances are they'll remember it for the rest of their life. Um, and so I'm trying to relay our address to her, but I'm just, I'm crying and she can't understand me. And at this point, our neighbor, three doors up, had walked, followed me into the house or came into the house and, and grabbed the phone from me. And she's trying to, you know, talk to them. Well, they had figured out that my dad had found his cell phone and also called 911. So they were dealing with two separate calls that were about the same exact incident. Um, so luckily, you know, they were able to disconnect, get all the information they needed and get to my house fairly quickly. So for starters, they brought, you know, there was an ambulance, there was a fire truck. Um, they realized when they assessed my mom that she was in such bad condition that she needed to be airlifted. So I remember going to my neighbor's house and she had this window that faced the cul-de-sac perfectly. And I, I ran up to the window and I just sat there and I watched as this big green helicopter landed in front of my house. Had it been any other circumstance, I would have thought that that was like the coolest thing in the world. However, uh, this was not the time. Um, and I watched as they loaded my mom into the helicopter and they took off. My dad had to go finish his work thing as his whole business was kind of hanging onto this one thing. He really needed to do it. Um, so we, you know, discussed that I would stay at my neighbor's house for the day. I obviously was not going to school that day. 
Um, thank God my dad didn't force me to. Um, smart, smart move. 10 out of 10 parenting. Um, don't force your kid to go to school after a traumatic event. Anyways. So he would, you know, go finish his thing, um, go to the hospital, come back, get me, and then take me to the hospital that night. So in this, my grandma on my mom's side had flown into town that evening. She luckily was able to get a flight out the same day. Like this happened fairly early in the morning. Like for reference, my school didn't start till like 740 in the morning. Um, and this was before that. So like we had the whole day in front of us. So my dad eventually came back to come get me and we drove up to the hospital. It was about, I want to say like a 40, 45 minute drive because the hospital closer to us wasn't um, equipped enough to handle her condition. Um, you know, they are now, they're actually a very good hospital now, but they just, back then they just weren't. Um, so they had to take her to a more advanced hospital. And I remember going in and seeing, you know, my mom, they put her in a coma and she's hooked up to every wire imaginable. There's machines beeping and, and there's like hissing and, and there's so much happening in this. Um, but like other than all of that, she looked okay, um, which was kind of weird for me to see because, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, oh my dear God, like something happened. And then you're like, oh, this, you know, my mom actually looks fairly okay, but she's you know, asleep and there's a bunch of beeping machines and wires and tubes and everything. Um, I got to meet some of her nurses. Um, ironically, our favorite one had the same name as my mom. Um, she was the best nurse. Um, she was amazing. She was really great with me. Um, and I know that's, that's something that my dad was really thankful for. Um, so we stayed, um, ate dinner in the cafeteria not the best food. Later, we would come to find out that there was a Greek restaurant around there that had amazing euros um, because you can get really tired of hospital chicken tenders and soup that tastes like nothing. Um, I think nowadays hospitals have kind of come kind of a far away with their food, at least the one that I had to go to did. Um, they had a restaurant downstairs, so it was kind of nice. Um, Sidetrack. Anyways, um, so for two weeks, they basically, so they had to tell my dad um, that the treatment they were going to do lasted two weeks and they needed him um, to give them at least two weeks. And the doctor we initially had for the first couple of days, he was amazing. He was the one who explained all of this, but he had to leave on vacation. And of course, my dad understood that. He was like, go, like, go on vacation with your family. Um, and then we got stuck with a doctor who wasn't as competent um, you know, I'm very thankful for all the medical staff out there. So doctors, nurses, EMTs, you know, whatever you do um, in the medical field, very thankful for you. You guys are amazing for what you do. Um, you know, without you, there would be chaos in the world. I mean, there still is, but you guys definitely help that a lot. Um, but unfortunately, in every profession, there are people who just really should not be in that profession, um, be it medical, law enforcement, um, teachers, whatever. There are just certain people out there that just should not be in that job. Um, it's just not for them. They are just not good at it. End of story. So during these two weeks, we would drive up and back this long drive every night so I could go say goodnight to my mom. Um, you know, my dad never, you know, said that we couldn't go see her. Um, you know, and I was allowed to go in and hold her hand and give her a hug and I'd sit and talk to her. Um, you know, I got to know the staff very well, ate a lot of Jello, had a lot of apple juice. They take great care of you there. Um, we had family coming to town. So I remember like my grandma was there. I had, um, 
her partner at the time was there. I had great aunts. Like we, we had family from every side of the family, um, in town, like all of a sudden, um, friends, you know, there, there's so many people, um, who would go to the hospital. Um, we always got food dropped off at our house. Like we were getting like these massive amounts of food dropped at our house. I, I don't know if anybody knows that that's, you know, if you've gone through grief, um, chances are, you know, how much food gets dropped at your house, um, after either losing someone or going through something where they're in the hospital, whatever. Um, chances are you understand the massive amount of food that you get. So I remember that, um, the day after the accident, my dad actually did make me go to school. He was like, I think it's going to be good for you. Plus, I he had to go to work. And, you know, there's not a lot of people in the world who could watch me. Um, and I had to go to school. I couldn't just miss days on end of school. Um, and, and you know, looking back at it now, it probably was a good thing for me to get, kind of get back to some sort of routine. Um, however, in the moment, did not want to go. But what ended up happening is he came in with me and we sat my entire class down and he explained to them because a lot of kids. So for reference, my elementary school was within a half a mile of my house. Um, so my entire second grade class, plus some of the other classes, saw this giant green helicopter landing in front of my house. Um, so, you know, a bunch of kids used to joke that they knew where I live now because of the helicopter. Um, it was funny to them, not super funny to me. Um so my dad, you know, sat down with our entire class and just explained to them like, hey, um, Ellie's mom had an accident. She's in the hospital. Like, please be kind and like, don't, you know, don't push her because she's like really fragile right now. Um, yeah. So there, there was that whole thing. Luckily, I'm, and I'm so thankful for this to this day. I had the best teacher. Um, I still keep in contact with him. He, he really changed my life. He, he really kind of set, um, you know, other than my dad, he was really one of those people in my life who kind of set the track for the rest of my life. He, um, encouraged my love for reading that my mom had kind of instilled in me. Um, he, you know, let me sit with a picture of my mom on my desk. He let me kind of recluse a little bit if I needed to, if I need alone time, I could just kind of go sit in the corner and do my own thing. Um, he also pushed me, uh, kind of, yeah, he pushed me to go see the guidance counselor or the school counselor that was right down the hall. And at the time I really didn't want to go see her, but he kind of made me. And honestly, that was probably the best thing he ever did for me. Um, and I would go see her for, I, I, at the time it was almost every single day I would go see her. Um, and we would talk about how I was doing. She is also how we found, um, the grief group that I went to. So if you're looking for one, especially for a kid, talk to your school counselors. They might know of one. Um, so after these two weeks, they basically said, you know, hey, two weeks are up. The treatment didn't work. Um, they had found out that my mom, had she woken up, been completely paralyzed from at least the waist down, if not the neck. Um, they knew that she had broken part of her spine. They just weren't exactly sure where. Um, she had also cracked her skull in many different places and was dealing with a lot of brain swelling, um, which would have caused a lot of permanent damage. Um, chances are if she, if we hadn't taken her off life support, she would have been one of those people who was in a life chair or a wheelchair on a ventilator, possibly, um, feeding tube, like she would not have been herself. So background story, my mom was a very fun, adventurous person. She loved to, you know, explore. Um, she was a mortician. She wanted to, 
you know, open her own funeral home. She wanted to travel. She wanted to do everything and anything she could. We always cruised as a family once a year. So that was a big thing for us. Um, And my dad knew that if she couldn't go back to something similar to that life, then she wouldn't have wanted it. She also wouldn't have wanted to have me see her like that. Um, The doctor did say that a lot of people in that condition um, have a higher rate of trying to attempt suicide. And that was something that my dad just didn't want me to have to deal with. Um, or not necessarily deal with, but just didn't want me to remember my mom in that way and know that she would have hated having me see her like that. Um, so, you know, my dad had made the very hard decision to remove her from life support and let her go. Um, I did not go to the hospital with him that day. I stayed home. I don't remember why. Um, I think it's, I mean, not that it was necessarily my choice. My dad was just like, hey, like you should stay here. I'll be right back. Um, cause he kind of knew and he didn't necessarily want me to be there. Um, conversations later in my life, he wondered if that was the correct decision. Um, and I, I don't blame him for it. I, you know, there was a period of my life where I was mad at him for not letting me be there. But now that I'm older, I understand why I wasn't and, and I'm okay with that. Um, leading up to that, I had always told my mom, I squeezed her hand and I told her that if she needed to go, that I would understand. Um, and I, I believe, you know, to this day, I still say that she squeezed my hand. There are so many people out there that medical people that they said, you know, that was not possible. Like the nurses, they'd be like, oh, you're just imagining it. But, um, you know, fortunately for me, my mom or my dad believed me. Um, cause he said that if she was going to muster up the strength to squeeze anybody's hand, it was going to be mine. Um, I remember, you know, squeezing her hand and I just, I just asked her, I was like, please, you know, g- give me something. And it was very small, but she squeezed her, she squeezed my hand and I will stand by that statement until I die. Um, so after he, you know, made that decision. He was with my grandma. They had a huge fight with the doctor. Um, he, the doctor believed that they should have kept my mom alive and, and let her, um, his definition of being alive and my dad's definition of being alive were two very different things. Um, the doctor's was as long as she's breathing. And my dad was more of, you know, as long as you can actually live your life and do the things you want to do. So, um, There's a story that my grandma had to hold my dad back from punching this doctor. Um, That I probably would have loved to see. Maybe not at a seven, but at now, yes, totally. Um, But my dad came home and he sat me down in his room and he told me um, that, well, I mean, he didn't even have to tell me. I could kind of just guess. He, he He pulled out this bear that I had given her. Um, that I'd made for her and, and put with her behind his back. And, and I just kind of knew something in me was just, you know, your, your mom's not here anymore. And I remember so much of our family was at our house. And, and I remember, you know, my dad getting kind of upset with certain family members because they weren't leaving us alone. They kept trying to come in and see if we were okay. And he was just like, leave me alone, get out. Um, I don't, really remember like the moments in between or like the time in between her passing and like her funeral. Um, I remember going to her funeral. I remember going to the viewing. We did have an open casket. Um, I remember her looking nothing like herself, um, which unfortunately can be a thing with a lot of, a lot of people who are embalmed in open caskets. But I remember just leaning in to hug her one last time. I remember going to the funeral. I remember getting up to speak. I don't remember what I said, but I remember saying something at my mom's funeral 
Um, I remember the burial probably more clearly than anything else because it was in the middle of September. It was super hot. I live in Colorado and I was in a long sleeve, like thick black dress and it was terrible. I remember the wake afterwards. Um, we went to like a local, it's, it's like a pool house almost kind of thing. And there was a bunch of food. Um, I remember, you know, my neighbor taking me home to get changed. And I remember my dad kind of getting into it with some of my mom's family. That's a little bit estranged. Um, I, something like that happened, I guess. I don't, I'm not 100% sure I wasn't there. Um, just stories I've heard. Um, something that I got from my dad is, you know, in a moment like that, being the last person at the gravesite and letting everyone else leave to kind of give yourself a moment. Um, and that's kind of how that went. So after that, you know, my dad and I had to figure some things out. We fought a lot, probably in the year after my mom passed. My grandma moved in with us for a little bit. She moved down to Colorado to help him with me. Um, I'm very thankful for that. Um, we found a counselor later on who kind of helped us, um, you know, learn how to communicate. And then we became best friends. My dad became my everything. He was my best friend. He, I mean, he raised me at the end of the day, you know, I love my mom and I miss her very dearly, but it's just a fact that she wasn't here for the majority of my life. And my dad was the one who raised me. He was my, my only parent. Um, and he, you know, he, he was great. We traveled together. We worked together. We'd like businesses together. We talked every single day. Um, call, we would text. Um, he was the first person I would talk to about literally anything um, when it came to my significant other, to school, to work, to just, you know, somebody did something funny and I saw, I don't know. Um, we would share things off of social media together. He was my absolute best friend. And that is something that, you know, although I hate that I had to lose my mom, I'm very thankful that I had the relationship that I did with my dad. So, like I said, um, this will probably be multiple parts of kind of just getting to know me and my journey with grief, but this one was more about my mom. Um, so, you know, definitely, if you want to check out my blog, um, it, it's www.ellisonlane.com. Um, I would love to, you know, if you want to reach out, you want to tell me your stories, I would love to hear them. Um, but as always, you know, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, Lord knows, the world could use a little bit more kindness um, from everybody. So I hope you all have a great evening or day or whatever time it is, wherever you are. Um, like I said, take care of yourself and I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.